This is Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is fair and gone. Deep left center. Game over. Cubs win. Cubs win. Chicago's game day. He's at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. Alvarez. It's a triple play for the Sox. Base is loaded. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Good morning, everyone. Fred Hubner with you. I'm going to miss those guys on Sunday morning, Black and Abdallah, but you'll find them on Saturday afternoons along with Jay Hood. Chicago College tailgate begins next week, week one of the college football season after the two games played yesterday. Last night, early this morning. So they'll be there with Jay Hood. And we'll be here talking football and some baseball as the Cubs continue their run to try to make the postseason. 312-332-3776. You can always get to me at Fred underscore Hubner on Twitter. I've got it open constantly throughout the show and keeping an eye on it. So uh, let me know what you think. We will definitely get into the Andrew Luck retirement from last night. We'll get into Eddie Pinheiro hitting two field goals, including a 58-yarder, and he made three extra points. One less thing to worry about, at least for now. And could we, you know, September 5th, Thursday, September 5th against the Packers cannot get here soon enough. Because really there is nothing else to talk about in Bears football. From now until the opening kick uh, of Bears-Packers on that Thursday night. But we will talk a little bit of football because uh, a lot to get into with the Andrew Luck situation for those just waking up in case you missed it last night. Heck, if you didn't watch the Bears preseason game last night, I don't blame you. I was actually in the car driving around last night and heard Jeff Joniak report that Andrew Luck was retiring. Then I caught some of the other stuff, saw the press conference, saw Andrew Luck's announcement. We'll get into the fans booing and other things. We'll also talk about fans booing the Players' Weekend uniforms. Not fans of it. Either is Joe Madden. We'll talk about that much more. You would think, people that have listened to me on the radio long enough, you would think I would be here to complain about that. Well, my complaint is that people are complaining about it. Yeah. So we'll get into that and much, much more. 312-332-3776. But first, we got to get into the Chicago Cubs and the White Sox. That's what we usually do here in the first half hour of the show here on Sundays. Yesterday, the Cubs in their white uniforms. And again, it's really interesting because the announcers, the announcers for the Cubs said, well, yeah, it's the players' weekend, and uh, the home team's wearing the white, and the road team is wearing the black. And on the south side of town, the announcer said, well, it's players' weekend, and the home teams are wearing the black, and the road teams are wearing the white. I'm saying, first of all, do these two announcer groups not see the other teams? Or is it just, no, are the White Sox the only ones? Last night, the Oakland A's wore the white uniforms and the black hats. So I don't know. But anyway, we'll get into the uniforms in a second. I just had to go off on that little tangent. The Cubs sweep a three-game series with the San Francisco Giants. They're a team that is making a push for the postseason in Bruce Bochy's final season. They're not a really good team. 
but they're surprising a lot of people. The Cubs win a 12-11 game. The Cubs win a one nothing game. And they sweep the Giants into town come the Nationals. And the Nationals beat the Cubs. Cubs have one hit until the ninth inning in a 9-3 loss on Friday. Yesterday, the Cubs lose 7-2. So for the first two days of the series, the Cubs have been outscored 16-5. Their bats have been brutal. Their bats have been brutal for a while. And I know it's stupid. I know it sounds like I don't. you don't know what you're talking about. But the Cubs only win when they hit home runs. When the Cubs are launching two, three, four homers out of the yard, they win games. Otherwise, the Cubs don't do it. Yesterday, the Cubs had every opportunity. They were down early. They were down early 5 nothing after two and a half innings. The Washington Nationals with a four spot in the third. Anthony Rizzo with two errors yesterday. He made a bad play the day before, and now he went out with his back issue yesterday in the game. We'll see if he's able to play. We'll get lineups before we're out of here on ESPN 1000. But the Cubs had every opportunity to... to get back into this game yesterday. It's the fourth inning. It's 5-1. to one. The Cubs have runners in second and third and nobody out. They don't score a run. Couple outs. The bases are now loaded. Ian Happ at the plate. Ian Happ with one heck of an at-bat. And then, I don't know what the umpire was looking at, but for all those people who tell me that the computerized strike zone, you can't have it. It's just not good enough. Danny Evans told me about it yesterday. He said, ah, they don't, they're not really, it's not really accurate yet. And then there was this pitch yesterday with a 3-2 count. Runners will be on the move. The 3-2 to half. Strike three. It was off. No, he got kicked out. It was definitely off the corner. That's a pitch Carapaz has been calling today. And here comes Brian Butterfield along with Joe Madden to protect their player. Hmm. Tough way to end the inning. Yeah, it's a good discipline at bat by Ian Happ. He took some borderline pitches and ultimately got rung up on what should have been ball four. There's no doubt it should have been ball four. Highlights courtesy NBC Sports Chicago. A brutal call. And I don't care that the umpire has been calling it all afternoon. He's been calling it wrong all afternoon. And if, in fact, the K-Zone or whatever you want to call it, whatever TV network you're watching, if that's not correct, then take it off the screen, okay? For all those people to say, well, it's not exactly accurate. Well, then take it off the screen. Don't let us watch it. Don't let the teams watch it and then get upset with the umpires. The call was plain. The ball was plainly outside as I dropped my drink. Um, it was plainly outside. Would have brought a run in. Who knows what happens at that point? You still got the bases loaded a 5-2 game. Maybe things change. But they didn't. Final score is 7-2. The Cubs for the game yesterday. They were 2-9 for nine with runners in scoring position. They left 9 men on base. The Nationals scored 7 runs and still left 11 men on base. It shows you what this Nationals team can do. They're battling right now to get into the postseason also. The Nationals find themselves just six games back of the Atlanta Braves in the National League East. And the Nationals are the number one wild card team right now. If, oh, I know we, we saw talked about this yesterday with Murph. Murph and Fred, Saturdays, 9 to noon. If the season were to end today, the Cubs would be playing the Nationals in the wild card 
in D.C., in the nation's capital, because the Nationals are three games better than the Cubs. Cubs have the wild card, the second wild card right now, because they were a game and a half behind St. Louis. They were a game and a half up on Philadelphia for the wild card, two ahead of the Brewers and two ahead of the Mets, who the Cubs get to go to on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday after they wrap up the series today. If you don't think today's a must-win for the Cubs, I think you're wrong. I know there's still a lot of baseball to be played. I know you play the Cardinals in, what is it, six or seven of the last ten games of the season. But this is a huge game for the Cubs before they go to New York for a three-game series. The Mets have lost a couple in a row. They're in a battle for the playoff spot. They've got some pitching. Peter Alonso with another homer. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But the Washington Nationals do in baseball one of the things you're supposed to do. And after the game yesterday, Joe Madden gave the Nationals credit. Johnny only got hit hard in that last inning yesterday, and they did the same thing today. Give them credit, though. They moved the baseball. That's the thing we didn't do. Uh, otherwise, that game would have been 5-5 or whatever at some point. Um, they moved the ball when they had to. We did not. Um, they they ran a little bit. They, they, they created their own um, runs because they got some really good team speed. There you go. They moved the ball when they had to. We didn't. That is a phrase that Joe Madden brings up, and I've been harping on it for a couple of years. Joe Madden says that any time the team gets in a funk, they move the ball around. The Cubs have a couple have some players that are swinging for the fences on a constant basis, and they're not looking to put the ball in play. They're not looking to move the ball around. The biggest thing that we did wrong today is we didn't move the baseball when we had to. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's been it for a while. This Cubs team does not move the ball around. Usually, it's Rizzo who does a really good job of it. Baez goes to the opposite field every once in a while. But, boy, without Contreras in the lineup right now, this team is struggling hitting. Over the last week, think about it on Friday. They went into the ninth inning with one hit. They had two hits in another game. Two Saturdays ago, they had four hits total for the game and won the game. The Cubs team is not hitting. Um... Yesterday, Jose Quintana, his first loss since June 22nd. You can't blame the pitching. I know, I know, Hamels has gotten rocked a little bit. The bullpen hasn't been great. The Cubs are not doing a job at the plate. And it's they're not getting the timely hitting. They're not moving the ball around. And it's so deceptive when you just look at where they are batting-wise. They may be fifth or sixth in the National League in hitting, but they don't do what they need to do when they have runners on base. And this could be the downfall for this team. What do you think, looking back? And we'll do it again, obviously, when the season's over. But is it the lack of a leadoff man? Because Jason Hayward again yesterday. Let's see what he did. Oh, he was one for three with two walks. So he was actually on base three times yesterday as a leadoff guy. That's not bad. He's hitting 167 in the leadoff spot. Uh, Hayward with a 254 on base before yesterday's game. So he did get on a little bit. But this Cubs team is so frustrating. You beat the Giants three games in a row. That's great. But you play a good team like the Washington Nationals. And even in the first inning, you know, there's errors. The ball's being thrown around. Rizzo throws the ball in the left field. What's going on? Is the pressure getting to these guys? 312-332-3776. And speaking of Rizzo, he went out of the game. And Madden really didn't have a whole lot to add. Just that his back got tight. Um, um. PJ came to me in the dugout, just told me where it had gotten tight, and that, that's all I have right now. Um, that's all I got, honestly. 
seem like the you know, the thing in May that was similar. He's had bad stuff. Do you think it's just kind of a similar? I I don't know enough yet. Um, it just he that was like it all happened so quickly, and that's why of course Lucre was just hanging out, and I said you're hitting, and he goes up there and has a great at bat, but there was no uh, indicator uh, that that something was wrong. I like that. Lucre was just hanging out, and I said hey, you're hitting. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Hey, Jonathan, what are you doing? Uh, just hanging around. You're up next. Rizzo's out. Go on up there and hit. Uh, pretty funny. 312-332-3776. Big game today. Steven Strasburg against Cole Hamels. A 120 start. We get the lineups. We'll have them for you here on ESPN 1000. Let's go to Rolling Meadows, our guy John. John, what's happening? Hey, good morning. Yeah, you know, today's matchup is a big one. Um Hamill, since he's been back, uh, he's been rocked a little bit. And, uh, you know, Strasburg is being Strasburg this year. He's got 16 wins, I believe. Um, two things I want to bring up. Uh, since that 12-11 win by the Cubs over the Giants, they haven't put up a lot of hits since that. They have problems hitting the ball after they score a lot of runs, number one. And number two, the Giants really... You know, other than that, you know, that third game didn't throw any quality pitchers at the Cubs. And and uh, Strasburg's a quality pitcher. And when you go into New York, you're going to face two of their so-called quality pitchers. And they have problems hitting a good pitcher. It's always been the case. This year especially. And then when they do put up six, seven runs, the next couple of games, they tend to disappear. And and, you know, they got to be more consistent at the plate. And I mean, they got to take it upon themselves, obviously, to stop hit, swinging for the fences all the time. Like you said, put the ball in play, you know, drive in a run with, with a fly ball to left, you know, maybe hit and run, hit behind the hitter, you know. And Rizzo does that. But, again, today you probably won't see Rizzo because of his back. Yeah, there's a good chance you won't see him. And, John, you're right. It, it just it is so frustrating because you've seen what this team can do. And usually at home, they do those good things. They've lost two straight home games at home now. That's that's rare. You figure they came home, they would they swept the Giants. You figure two out of three against the Nationals. Well, you've already lost the series. You lose the first two, and now you're trying to salvage the final game of that series. So we'll see what happens. Um Hayward won for two yesterday. Castellanos just continues to hit. Two for five. Baez had two hits. He went two for four. He's at 283. Um, let's see here. Bryant was 0 for three with a strikeout and a walk. But they just they don't have a lot of consistency. And I, are the guys in the minors going to help out? Yesterday we had Dean Ellis on. Um, he joined me and Murph yesterday. And Al Morris struggling with the bat. Bodie struggling with the bat. None of the guys in the minor. Zobris struggling with the bat. None of those guys are really hitting the ball right now. I don't know if you're, they're going to get any help from them. So it's quite a struggle right now to see what's going to happen with this Cubs team going forward. 312-332-3776. We get open lines to talk some Cubs baseball. And I want to get into some White Sox stuff before we get to some more phone calls. I always like to hit the White Sox and the Cubs because... I know there are many people that say the White Sox don't get their due. They did win two games in a row. Yesterday, they just could not hit. They faced a guy named Colby Allard. 
and Kobe Allard shut down the White Sox. He went six and a third, allowed six hits, walked nobody, struck out eight. The White Sox lose four to nothing. A couple of two-run homers for the Rangers in the game. Ivan Nova, five and two-thirds. He allowed uh, two runs, one earned um, on six hits, walked nobody. Struck out six. He pitched a good game, definitely good enough to get the victory, but the White Sox bats came up empty yesterday. Anderson did get a hit yesterday. He went one for four. He extends his hitting streak again as his hitting streak is now at, I think, 11 games. And um, he did make another error. Leads the major leagues in errors with 21. And I've been criticized for not liking Tim Anderson or criticizing Tim Anderson. If Tim Anderson's going to be your centerpiece, he's doing a great job getting on base. He's doing a great job with a lot of things uh, in the game. But he's also making errors. 21 errors. Leads all of baseball. And he's played just 94 games, I think. And um, this is like game 130 or something like that. So... Yeah, he's got to cut down on his errors big time. There was a great thing that happened in the game yesterday. 0-2. The thousandth hit of Jose Abreu's career. It went to right field in case you were wondering. A base hit to right with two out of the first. They played him up the middle. Nobody home on the right side, and he takes it exactly that way. That bat may be authenticated. That ball will be authenticated. Crowd was just told about Jose's thousandth hit. I hope they don't authenticate the ball to just go to the Hall of Fame for a thousand hits. My first thought when I hear authenticate, I'm like, oh, some guy is out there trying to get his hands on this bat right away. <laughs> yeah. Like, let Jose enjoy this. Highlights courtesy WGN TV, Jason Benetti, Steve Stone, and the White Sox had eight hits yesterday. Abreu with a couple. Sox couldn't do anything with runners on. They were 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position yesterday. Could not get the big hit. Again, they couldn't do what uh, the Cubs aren't doing, putting the ball in play. Have struggled doing that big time. So uh, we'll see what happens as the White Sox wrap up their series today with the Rangers. It'll be, oh my God, this is the worst thing. As a White Sox fan, you should know this. The worst thing that can ever happen to the White Sox is a guy is making his Major League debut. Brock Burke. No, not Brooke Burke. She's way hot. Uh, Brock Burke is making his Major League debut today against the White Sox and Ronaldo Lopez, a 110 first pitch. And usually the White Sox don't do well. Uh, with guys in their major league debut. I know people are going to say, well, if you look at this, they beat this guy. They beat... Yeah, for the most part, they don't do well against guys making their major league debut. I don't know if they don't have good advanced scouts, uh, good scouts, you know, scouting minor guys in the minors. But, hey, Colby Allard shut him down yesterday. And uh, we'll see what a guy like Brack Burke does today. Let's uh, go quickly to the phones. Dean, Dean, you're on ESPN 1000. What's happening? First time caller, I love your show. I'm on my way down to the Sox game. How are you? I'm doing well. What's going on? Uh, you, you get to see a guy make his major league debut. Years from now, you can say you saw Brock Burke's major league debut. Yeah, and I want to say thanks to my wife's hospice journey care for the tickets, beer, food, and uh, the company outing down there. So I'm taking my son down to a second White Sox game. That's great. That's really cool. That's um, even though I'm going to wear my bias jersey at Sox Park, hopefully I don't get mugged. But the reason why I'm calling is... Uh, you know, I just can't believe how they would play against the Giants and then the Nationals knew were a hot team coming in. Why would they play so just crappy, crappy baseball? Can't they get up for a series knowing that they have to go play the Mets and this division could get away this week? But 
my question is, they, they have to win this game today because they're going to face Syndergaard or whoever else they're going to face DeGrom in New York. But this team is just, they can't go back and forth. They're a good home team. If you go to New York, man, and get swept, lose two out of three, then you got the Brewers. Um, I don't I just, I just want to know what your feedback is. I'm just frustrated because I was at work the last few days when I saw those scores and the errors in the first inning. I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm how this team is so inconsistent, and you're right. You hit on the button. They're missing Contreras. They're missing that leadoff. But have a great day, and thanks for taking my call. Dean, enjoy the game. It should be fun out there. Really nice weather, and hopefully the White Sox, hopefully the White Sox fans leave you alone with your Baez jersey. I don't know that I, why, that I would wear one, but, you know, you're wearing it, so good luck to you. Uh, on the south side, the um, three out of four over Texas would be nice for the White Sox. And you're right about the Cubs. I just don't understand. Um, it's been like this all year on the road, but at home, not so much. And you're seeing a team in Washington right now, and I know it was brought up earlier in the week by somebody on the station. I would give them credit if I remembered who. May have been Yurko. I can't remember. But when you lose a guy that's a big, huge superstar like uh, Bryce Harper. Sometimes the rest of the team pulls together. They've got guys like Robles and Soto, who's on base like all the time in these games. Uh, for so let's see, Soto was over two yesterday, over four yesterday, but he scored two runs. Um, Robles was over four. They both had great games the day before. Uh, Trey Turner two for three. He scored two runs, walked twice. Adam Eaton is two for five. This is a team that wants to get into the playoffs, and right now they're going. They're a wild card team right now. Let's go to Indiana and Joe. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Joe. Hey, Fred. How are you, buddy? Okay. What's happening? Not much, man. Hey, if you really, if you really, are, if we are, if we are honest with ourselves as Cub fans, I know you're not, but uh, Cub Nation, if we're honest with ourselves as Cub fans, if we go back to May, and I was at the Dodgers-Cubs game in May, I think it was Zobris' last game that he played before, one of his last games he played before he left the team. And if you really go back and look at it, that team, while they struggled that first week on that road trip, they were playing very good baseball. And I think they'll, they'll if privately they'll tell you to a man that the team has not been the same since he's been gone. And even though his numbers may be exactly what Hayward's are in the leadoff spot, it's a, it's a different atmosphere when he's on the team. And I never in my wildest dreams thought I would thought this would be the case, that if you lose a guy like him, who's 38 years old and on his last year of his deal, uh, that the team would completely just fall back into the bad habits that they had before he got there. I mean, that, that's really, if, if you want to break it down into the simplest of terms, I think that's where it started. I think that's where it's going to end. If he doesn't come back this week, which I'm hoping he does, and even if he doesn't give you much, at least he gives you the presence in the locker room, uh, that's that leadership, that they need because they don't, they really don't have a leader outside of maybe John Lester. Uh, Rizzo's not that guy. KB's a quiet leader. Javi's really not that guy. Javi's had a bad uh, second half if you break it down. And I think that's, that, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. Hey, and, and Joe, I appreciate the call. And think about it. Think about all the times that the name David Ross has come up since he left and what David Ross meant to this team, getting on people for, screwing things up, getting out of Starlin Castro, getting out of, you know, Anthony Rizzo for not doing a run down the right way. And you're right. Maybe they don't have that guy. I'm not sure that Zobris was the guy that would yell at people, but Zobris was the guy that did what Joe Madden talks about all the time. The biggest thing that we did wrong today is we didn't move the baseball when we had to. That's it. Yeah, and Zobris does that. When Zobris is playing well, again, remember, he's 38. Sometimes baseball players, it just goes away. 
But I agree with you. Him coming back to this team this week before September 1st could be a big thing for this Cubs team. Uh, get him in the locker room. He helps them out. They've got the Mets for three, and then they come home to play the Brewers. The Brewers are playing a little bit better baseball. They're getting some help, too. Some guys in the minors, Shelby Miller and um, Jimmy Nelson, both pitching pretty well. We found that out when we went down on the farm with Dean Ellis yesterday. 312-332-3776. We'll talk Cubs. We'll talk White Sox. And why is everybody so upset about the players' weekend uniforms? Let me know what you think. 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner with you. We'll talk football, the Bears, and Andrew Luck. Do that top of the hour right here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Here until 12 o'clock, we got a lot of football to talk about. Bears winning a preseason game. I got to be honest, I only watched a little bit of it yesterday. Uh, I did listen to some of it. I got Jeff Joniak on the call, and he was the one that I heard make the announcement first before I saw it on Twitter or anywhere else because I was driving, so you can't, of course. You know, you cannot look at Twitter when driving. Um, so I heard Joniak mention that there was a report going around in Indianapolis that Andrew Luck is going to retire. So we'll talk about that um, top of the hour. Lots to talk about. We'll hear from Andrew Luck. We'll hear from Adam Schefter, a couple other people from ESPN talking about the retirement of Andrew Luck, what that means for the Colts, and uh, what your thoughts are of that. And also the fans booing. We'll talk about that. And speaking of fans booing, 312-332-3776. We will get to uh, the Cubs lineup in a second. We're also going to talk about the... Um, players weekend uniforms we do have the starting lineups for your chicago cubs it's hayward's in center field he's your leadoff guy until he isn't castellanos and right bryant at third baez has moved up to shortstop because anthony rizzo is out for the game today schwarber's in left luke right behind the plate russell is at second base ian happ is at first base hitting eighth and cole hamels is your starting pitcher for the game today rizzo out Derek Holland has been put on the 10-day injured list with a wrist contusion. You would think his neck would hurt with some of the balls that get taken off uh, off of him. And, uh, heck, even from that you know, Bryce Harper Grand Slam a couple weeks ago. David Bodie being recalled from Iowa. And, Eric, I can't remember exactly, but I think that Dean Ellis told us Bodie was 1 for 10 with 5 strikeouts. Yeah, I, I can't remember how many at-bats, but I remember him saying that he's only got one hit, and yeah. then every one of his reps has been at shortstop so right. far down when he was down there. Yeah, so the, interesting. They had to bring somebody up, make a move, and they uh, send Holland down. And we talked about this yesterday with Murph. You, you can't, it's not fair for Joe Madden when, with all the pitchers on this team to only have three bench guys. So you add David Bodie, you don't have Rizzo, um, but at least you have another guy on the bench for you. Hopefully that will help the Northsiders today. Now, Cub fans, and I guess everybody, White Sox fans aren't complaining as much about the uniforms for Players Weekend uh, because it's black. Basically, it looks like the White Sox are on the field with black, with like black slacks on. And then the, the black uniforms, and then the White Sox logo across their chest in script. And black hats. It's not a lot of difference for the White Sox. The names, obviously, on the back are all different. There's a lot of Cub fans and a lot of baseball fans upset. And people I respect, they're saying, oh, look at these uniforms. They're terrible uniforms. 
And I have two words for those. Who cares? It's just baseball uniforms for three days. Okay? Last year, Seattle did a thing where they wore, like, futuristic uniforms. And they were, like, metallic-looking. And they were cut-off sleeves. The Reds did a game earlier this year where they had these sleeveless uniforms. And it's just a uniform. What's the difference? Oh, I don't like the way it looks. Well, so so what? You can't deal with it for three days? I know this sounds weird, because usually I'm the one complaining about something, and I guess I am complaining. I'm complaining about other people complaining. But do the uniforms bother you that much that you struggle to watch the game? Now, I understand Black and Abdallah were talking about it, and Black's ma sent him a text, and she didn't like the uniforms either, so it's not just the millennials who don't like them. It's a lot of people that don't. But my biggest question is, who cares? What difference does it make what uniform they're wearing? Okay, I mean, there were Cub fans a while ago that when the Cubs were on the road, they didn't like when the Cubs wore the the blue jerseys. That's not their road uniform. Their road uniform is gray and says Chicago across it. You can't wear those uh, blue ones. Come on. Fred, my only gripe with the the weekend, the, the jerseys over the weekend, is they spent all this time having the players come up with their cute little nicknames, and you can't read you them. You can't read them. That's my only gripe. I don't really care about the jerseys and the colors and stuff yeah. like that, but like, why have them all come up with nicknames and stuff, and then you can't even read them? you it? can't see them. Yeah. I can understand that part. Okay, I I can understand that part. It would make sense to have them outlined maybe in black or something, or even like a a uh, you know a darker gray, so they would stand right, out a like little a bit. Right, a shade different would right. be fine. Yeah, yeah, so they would stand out a little bit. They do little look a little bit like uh, good humor ice cream men who used to drive around the the communities and things like that. But it doesn't really matter. And like I said, it, it's going to be over after today. We won't have to worry about it for another year. I thought people. It's funny. Think about it, Eric. Most people loved the Little League uniform last week. Right. Exactly. So, like, pick and choose your fights. Like, exactly. just, just take it. It's a it's baseball a uniform. uniform. Just three days. Let them wear it. I mean, I'm, I've been, you know, everybody knows, and the caller earlier who was going to the White Sox game in his Baez jersey, and he mentioned he's a Cub fan. He knows I'm not. Listen, I, I've watched every Cub game this year. And that's what you do when you work in this business. You watch every game. I watch every Cub game, for the most part, every White Sox game. And because that's what we do, we sit and talk baseball. I watch as much, and I try to be as objective as possible. Some Cub fans right now are driving off the road. They're going, you're not objective. Well, I criticize the Cubs as much as I criticize. I criticize the White Sox as much, if not more, than I criticize the Cubs. I don't criticize the management of the White Sox as much because it's kind of difficult in a rebuild to criticize the management and what they're doing. They pretty much told you we're going to rebuild. It's going to take a while. Um, but the Cubs have made moves already, and they are not really panning out very well. They got a World Series, so that's great. Theo walks on water. And I'm saying that because of the Sun-Times picture when he was walking on water, literally, in the picture. So, um, but yeah, I, I criticize the White Sox all the time. Tim Anderson, everybody says, well, what do you think about Tim Anderson now? Well, why would they say that to me if I wasn't criticizing him? So I watched the Cubs as much as I watched the White Sox. The Cubs cannot hit. The Cubs, I don't care what the average is. I don't care what the analytics says. With runners in scoring position, when they need big hits, they don't get them. And they didn't do it last year. And it is starting to look. We talked to Mark Gonzalez yesterday. It is starting to look a little bit like last year. When they came up the last month of the season, the last month and a half of the season, and struggled hitting the ball. And that's a big 
That's a bad thing to do when you need to hit the ball. They've got a lot of big games coming up. they got a lot of games with the Cardinals. They play the Brewers next weekend. It's a big game today. you got to start hitting the ball again, and we'll see what the Cubs do. And I, I know I keep playing this over and over again, but the biggest thing that we did wrong today is we didn't move the baseball when we had to. That's it. And the problem is that it all stems back from your, you know, it's almost not even the Cubs' fault. It's all a baseball because most of baseball does this. Now, baseball has guys that just put the ball in play. The Astros swing for the fences, but they put the ball in play. The Nationals have a lot of smaller guys who put the ball in play. Trey Turner puts the ball in play. Adam Eaton puts the ball in play, moves the ball around. Ben Zobrist, Anthony Rizzo, for the most part, moved the ball around. When Jason Hayward was hitting this year, he was moving the ball around. The Cubs are not doing that right now, and they've got to figure out what to do. And I know it sounds like I'm panicking because it was just two losses at home. But it was two losses at home. This team doesn't lose at home. And after sweeping the Giants, the Nationals have come up and pretty much embarrassed the Cubs in the last two games. And I don't think there's much of a doubt they've pretty much embarrassed them. So, again, I wanted to talk about the uniforms if maybe I made my point. Um who cares? They'll be gone tomorrow, and then they'll be back to the regular Cub uniforms on the road when they go to New York to take on the Mets. We're also, Eric, take a, see if we can find what their pitcher rotation is going to be. I know the series doesn't start till Tuesday, but look and see if you can find out what the Mets, you know, maybe we can find out what the Mets rotation is because the one thing the New York Mets have besides Peter Alonso and some guys that can hit the ball is they have a rotation. I know DeGrom the other day, not only did he pitch well, but he also hit a home run. So it's going to be interesting to see what the uh, the Cubs and Mets do in a big three-game series it's starting Tuesday. It's going to be tough. So on Monday, they got Marcus Stroman. Is it Monday? They play right I, I, oh, for some Tuesday, they so they have Tuesday Monday off. Right. I didn't even look at the date. So Tuesday, Marcus Stroman. Wednesday, Syndergaard. Thursday, DeGrom. Okay. Yikes. Yeah. It's, if they're struggling hitting now, now they're going to go on the road and face those three guys. Uh, 312-332-3776, your thoughts on that. We're going to talk a little bit more about the White Sox, too, when we come back. So Sox fans, you say we never talk White Sox. Yohan Mokata is back. Jose Abreu, excited about his 1,000th hit. And the pitching. Dylan Cease, the first inning the other day, brutal. After that, tremendous. Lucas Giolito, the third game in Minnesota. And because it happened in the middle of the week in the afternoon, not getting nearly enough talk about it. What Lucas Giolito did the other day against the Twins was pretty damned amazing. We'll talk about that much more. 312-332-3776. Football, Andrew Luck Talk, top of the hour, right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Oh, two. The thousandth hit of Jose Abreu's career. A base hit to right with two out of the first. They played him up the middle. Nobody home on the right side, and he takes it exactly that way. That bat may be authenticated. That ball will be authenticated. The crowd was just told about Jose's thousandth hit. This is Chicago's game day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. That is so great to hear about Jose Abreu. He gets his 1,000th hit yesterday. Highlights courtesy WGN-TV. Uh, Jason Benetti, Steve Stone on the call. Fred Huebner with you here on ESPN 1000. Jose Abreu is a guy that the White Sox got. He's the most expensive player the White Sox have signed. Um, it was six years, $68 million, I think it was. And uh, he has been worth every single penny. Uh, for the Chicago White Sox. He has said how he wants to stay. Um, 
your thoughts at 312-332-3776. I would question um, people who think, who say that he shouldn't and they should. Earlier, before the trading deadline, people said, listen, if you could move Jose Abreu and get a nice young player and then re-sign him in the offseason, that would be better for the White Sox. I don't know necessarily. I understand what they were saying. Try to stockpile as many young talented players as you can. I think the White Sox have done a pretty good job. I think next year at this time you're going to see be seeing, you know, Luis Robert, I mean obviously earlier than next year at this time. But guys will be here, Nick Madrigal, um who knows when Luis Basabi will be coming up. Uh you'll see uh Kopech, you'll see Carlos Rodon back probably not till, you know, May or June next year. But Jose Abreu is a guy. Look at these talk about consistency. 2014, 36 and 107, homers and RBIs. 15, 30 and 101. 16, 25 and 100. 17, 33 and 102. He only played 128 games in 2018 because of injuries. And he had 22 homers, 78 RBIs. Right now, through 128 games, as many as he played last year, he has six more homers, 28 homers, and he has 20 more RBIs. He has 98 runs batted in right now. Jose Abreu is slash line. Is uh, 278. He'd like that to be higher. 316. He'd like that to be higher. He's gone out of the zone a little bit. This is his lowest on base that he's had. And his uh, slugging is 498, which is uh, third lowest in his six years. But what this guy has done for the team, especially with all the players that they've brought in, with Moncada and with uh, Eloy Jimenez. Uh, I think it is imperative to have a guy like Jose Abreu around. Plus, it's not like he can't hit. He's still driving in runs. He's still getting the big hits for the White Sox, and I think he'll be able to do that in years to come. He's 32. I understand in baseball nowadays, 32 is an old man, but Ben Zobris is 38, okay? There's a lot of other guys in this league that are up there. Um, Albert Pujols has been playing the league in this league for a long time. Check, Eric, he's 40, isn't he? He's he's already over 40 Pujols, I think. Eric is a lot quicker on the computer than I am because I've already got Giolito and Abreu and Strasburg and all these other guys up on my computer. He's 39. He turns 40 in January. Okay, so he's he's 39. He's still, after all of his foot problems he had a couple of years, he's still hitting the ball. So Jose Abreu is a guy the White Sox definitely want to keep, I think. I think they will when the season's over. They'll make an announcement. He wants to be here for the rest of his career, um, and I, I think it'd be great to see him. Now, I mentioned Lucas Giolito did not nearly get the credit he deserves for what he did the other day. Giolito threw 115 pitches on Wednesday afternoon. He shut out the Minnesota Twins in Minnesota by a final of 4 to nothing. He went the complete game, a three-hitter. He walked no one and struck out 12. The last three games for Giolito, six innings against the A's, 13 strikeouts. Six innings against the Angels, 11 strikeouts and three walks. And against Minnesota, no walks, 12 strikeouts in a complete game, nine-inning affair. This Remember Lucas Giolito? He led the American League in walks last year. And the only reason he didn't lead all of baseball is because uh, there was a guy with the Cubs and Tyler Chatwood, who led all of baseball in walks. But Lucas Giolito's ERA last year was above six. His ERA right now is 320. He has 194 strikeouts. His sixth strikeout in his next outing will be his 200th of the season. 
He has thrown, let me see how many innings he's thrown, because he's thrown quite a few. He's thrown 151 innings. Not bad. He probably won't get to the 200 level. Uh, he may, may come real close to it, though. And uh, the way that the White Sox have kept him in, six innings, six innings, seven innings, six and two-thirds, six innings. Um, Lucas Giolito, after the All-Star break, yeah, he struggled. He struggled a bunch. Um, he was, let's see here, 10. He had 10 wins of the break, came out of the break. He had 11 wins of the break. Came out, loss, loss, no decision, loss, no decision. It was July was not a good month. But here in the month of August, he's 3-1. and one. The one game he lost, he gave up two runs over six innings and lost to Oakland by a final of 2 nothing. So Lucas Giolito deserves all the credit of what he's been able to do this year, what Yohan Moncada has been able to do this year. White Sox fans got to be thrilled. And Dylan Cease, as long as you can get past that one inning, Dylan Cease the other day, he gave up a three-run homer to the fourth hitter in the game. After that, he retired 11 in a row, gave up four hits, three runs, one walk, nine strikeouts, a career high in six innings. The White Sox future looks bright. They're getting there. And if the Cubs can make a few changes, this offseason's going to be really interesting for the north side. We could have a lot of interesting baseball for the next couple of years here in Chicago. Cubs and... The Nationals, they wrap up their series, Strasburg against Hamels, and the White Sox and Ronaldo Lopez against the Rangers this afternoon. When we come back, we'll talk Eddie Pinheiro, we'll talk Bears, we'll talk preseason, and Andrew Luck retires. We'll talk it all right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Andrew Luck has met with Jim Ursay tonight and has informed the Colts owner that he is retiring from the National Football League, Jim, at the age of 29 years old. Amazing stuff happening last night in Indianapolis. And you thought I was going to talk about Eddie Pinheiro's 58-yard field goal, which I was pretty damned excited about, I got to tell you. But it all took a back seat to Andrew Luck's announcement that he is retiring from the game of football at the age of 29, right? So, Andrew Luck threw 39 touchdown passes last year. You know how many players, how many quarterbacks in the NFL threw more? One. One guy threw more. And now is Patrick Mahomes. He threw 50. Uh, last year was a really darn good year for Andrew Luck. But the other years, not so much. And when I say the other years, yeah, yeah, no, he put up good numbers. It's not what I'm saying. He's played and missed a lot of games. He's missed 26 games because of injuries. He missed nine in 2015 with, okay, I know this is going to hurt if you're driving. A lacerated kidney. I'm pretty sure that's what McMahon had, didn't he, back in the day? And abdomen injuries. He missed the entire 2017 season with shoulder injury. He played last year. He was out there for all the games last year. Played 16 games. Colts went 10 and 6. He threw 39 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. I do think it's a little bit of a stretch, just a little, to say that the Colts were a Super Bowl contender this year. When I look at New England, Baltimore, Houston, Kansas City, San Diego, and people talk about Cleveland, I mean, I don't necessarily, I didn't look at the Colts as a Super Bowl contender. I know 
that they were getting better. I know they won 10 games last year, but when I looked at the AFC, I didn't say, well, the Colts will come out of the AFC. I don't think that entered many people's minds. Um, But he made the announcement yesterday, and Andrew Luck talked about the announcement. He announced his retirement last night. This certainly isn't how I uh, envisioned this or planned this. Uh, But but I am going to retire. This is not an easy decision. Honestly, it's the hardest decision of my life. But it is the right decision for me. For the last four years or so, I've been in this cycle of injury, pain, rehab, injury, injury, pain, rehab. And it's been unceasing and relenting, unrelenting, both in season both in, and off season. Uh, and I felt stuck in it. And the only way I see out uh, is, is to, to no longer play football. Uh, it's, it's taken my joy of this game away. Uh, and uh, this, sorry. Yeah, he did go on and uh, talk more about it. He mentioned the constant cycle of injury, pain, and rehab. I've been stuck in this process. I haven't been able to live the life I want to live. Taking the joy out of this game. And after 2016, where I played in pain and was unable to regularly practice, I made a vow to myself that I would not go down that path again. I find myself in a similar situation, and the only way forward for me is to remove myself from football in this cycle that I've been in. Come to the proverbial fork in the road, I, I made a vow to myself that if I ever did again, I would choose choose me in a sense. Yeah, and he did choose him in a sense. Now, he, there will be no tag days for him. I know they're figuring it out. There are some reports that the Colts have already worked out the money situation with him because he had recently signed a, a nice deal. Um he made $97 million over his career, on-field earnings for his seven-year career so far. And uh, he had the fifth most yards at quarterback last year. I mentioned the second most touchdowns. Um, did very, very well for the Colts. But the list of injuries he suffered over the six years in the NFL, torn cartilage in two ribs, partially torn abdomen, Eric, that doesn't sound like fun, does it? A torn abdomen? It, it just though that <laughs> sentence torn. It's not even like torn oblique. No. It's just here torn or not sports hernia. Right. Torn abdomen. Torn abdomen. Ugh. A lacerated kidney that left him peeing blood. At least one concussion. That's amazing. He's only had one concussion. Yeah, at least is is yeah. the key to that one. Yeah, a torn labrum in his throwing shoulder, and this calf ankle injury that he's been dealing with right now. And the constant cycle of injury, pain, and rehab, just absolutely amazing. Uh, Adam Schefter uh, made the announcement on Twitter last night, broke the story. Colts probably would have liked to have uh, let this thing wait until they were ready to announce it, but Schefter got it and talked about it on ESPN last night. Obviously, it was a surreal scene tonight because the news breaks on ESPN. The Colts are playing a game. Andrew Luck is on the sideline. The plan was to have a press conference tomorrow, and obviously the news swept through the stadium that he was retiring as he's standing there. And Andrew Luck, you know, with the split bone, probably is not aware that the news is breaking, and everybody in the stadium is looking at him and talking about him, and he's trending on Twitter, and yet, again, he doesn't know that the word is out there. So it's a very strange scene that unfolded, and I think it's akin to almost the way that Barry Sanders retired on the EVA training camp with the Detroit Lions. It's not entirely dissimilar because you're talking about 
a move that changes the balance of power in the AFC. And you hope that Andrew Luck finds peace and inner happiness and mental relief in moving forward in this decision. Obviously, it's a difficult one, but it's one that comes that I think just shakes up the entire National Football League. Now, there were a lot of people last night that, as Andrew Luck was leaving the field at the end of the Bears game, they talked about Andrew Luck and the fans booing. We'll get back to that in a second. Let's go to the phones. Let's head on out to Steve. Steve, you're on ESPN 1000. What's happening? Hey, first-time caller, long-time listener. Nice to hear from you, Steve. What's going on? Hey, I got a question for you, and I'll hang up and I'll listen. Do you think that there's a possibility of Andrew Luck is getting tired of being misdiagnosed and Jimmer say coming out saying that he has no heart at at one time, and you know he's sort of tired of that? I sort of have the feeling that he could always pull a John Elway and leave the Colts and end up in Denver in a year and come out of retirement. But I believe he may have been misdiagnosed, and that Ursa comment could be taken to heart. Well, how do you feel about that? I'll hang up and listen to my answer. Thanks, Steve. I, I got to tell you, I didn't know any about an Ursa comment. Uh, I got to be honest with you, I wasn't up on uh, the back and forth. I just knew that Andrew Luck was hurt a lot, constantly hurt over his six years. I sat here uh, two weeks ago with Yurko, and when they were talking about the possibility of what was going on with Andrew Luck, as a man with the Colts hat just walks right past us. Um, and I asked Yurko on the show, I said, is Andrew Luck ever going to play again? Now, I wasn't, you know, foreshadowing anything. I just thought with the injuries, you know, how many injuries could this guy take? Well, obviously, he can't take any more. He's had enough. Uh, I don't think he's going to come back. That's been a lot of the talk. He may. He's 29. He'll be 30. He could possibly come back. Look at the other guys that were younger that retired and surprise announcements. Jim Brown at the age of 29 led the NFL in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns his final season. Barry Sanders at the age of 31. Barry Sanders never said really why he was retiring, but he did retire from the Lions. And then Calvin Johnson did it at the age of 30 after 1,214 yards and nine touchdowns. Barry Sanders did it. He was the second in the NFL all-time rush yards at the time of his retirement. And now Andrew Luck, uh, NFL records for most passing yards and passing touchdowns in his final season. Um, I guess when you play in Detroit and you don't see anything changing, you, you hang it up. But there hasn't been much talk about Calvin Johnson coming back. There really wasn't a lot of talk ever about Barry Sanders coming back. Just why did he walk away? Uh, Jim Brown left. The next thing you knew, you saw him in the Dirty Dozen as an actor. And he went to Hollywood and made movies and things like that. The Andrew Luck thing surprised me. I, the word shock would never come out of my mouth. But the booze is something that right off the bat, it didn't surprise me. If you're a fan, if you're a sports fan, and if you weren't a sports fan, I figured you wouldn't be listening right now, okay? But if you're a fan of sports, I don't understand why you would be surprised that the fans would boo Andrew Luck. And here's one of the reasons that I say that. 
they've all been waiting for Andrew Luck to come back. It looked like Andrew Luck was going to come back. Some of them actually thought that the Indianapolis Colts would make a run for a Super Bowl this year. Possibility. After a 10-6 season last year. Maybe that could definitely happen. Okay? But you look at it, and I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to find my what I t- tweeted yesterday about this. But um, here, here's what I said. I said, I wouldn't boo Luck, but... The fans of the organization have been beyond patient. They saw what they can do with their team and with luck and an improved offensive line, which it was last year. I can understand why the fans would boo him when you are a week from the first game of the season. And he announces his retirement. There are reports that he knew he was going to do this 10 to 14 days ago. That's the part where if I'm a fan of the Indianapolis Colts and you knew 10 to 14 days ago you were going to retire, give your team and your coach and your organization some time to figure it out. But to do it with a week before the season, that surprises me. Andrew Luck wasn't happy. I won't say wasn't happy. Was disappointed with what he heard. Any reaction to the fans? Did you hear the reaction walking off the field? Yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't say I heard the reaction. Yeah, it hurt. I'll be honest, Chap. It hurt. Yeah, I'm sure it hurts. You've put, boy, you've done everything. You've put it all out there. But I'm not surprised. And I think if any of those fans that booed, I think if they had a chance to calm down a little bit, they would probably say, we understand it, but it's screwing our team. And NFL fans are different than fans of any other sport. They're different than basketball or hockey or baseball fans. NFL fans, excuse me if you're an NFL fan. I'm not criticizing you. NFL fans are nuts. They're out of their mind, okay? When you see them, they're growling and they're they're as nuts as some of the players that are on the field. And it does not surprise me at all that they were booing. It does surprise me a little bit that the media... So many people from the media jumped at people and criticized the people for booing. Think about it. They have just been, they've just found out that their starting quarterback has said, you know what? I've had enough. I'm retiring. After the third preseason game of the year, when your season starts a little more than a week from now, okay, two weeks. And um, it didn't surprise me at all that people booed. I would not boo because I don't boo people at games. I've never, I know, you can do whatever you want. You pay, you buy your ticket, you can boo whoever you want. I've never booed anyone. I've yelled, you know, you sucker, baby, something like that. But I've never booed. I've never actually stood up and went, boo. It's just weird. Something I don't do. But it didn't surprise me that that fans booed Andrew Luck yesterday. And, um... I think if they look at it, there probably won't be a lot of Andrew Luck jersey burnings. I know Black and Abdallah were talking about it earlier. They said maybe that's just an NBA thing. I don't know. I think it happens in other sports. Um, Ryan Clark from ESPN says he thinks that Luck's teammates will all eventually understand this. They all know they have a better chance with Andrew Luck than without. But they also understand that this is their friend. And more importantly, he's a human. Right. He's dealing with these things and trying to get back to pay to play. And he just can't do it. And they respect that. They love him. And the one thing, you know, if you're in that locker room, you know how tough Andrew Luck is. Yeah. You know that he's battled through kidneys, through concussions, through shoulder injuries. He's fought to be here. And when it starts in April as a calf and moves down to August as an ankle and you don't feel like you can get back and do it, it begins to be too much. 
And sometimes football players don't always mm-hmm. win, right? The reason it's such a tough game is because it's hard to get out there and do it week after week, year after year. And for Andrew Luck, it became too much. Yeah, that's Ryan Clark on ESPN talking about it. And yeah, there's no doubt it just became too much. And Andrew Luck calls it quits. 312-332-3776. Mike Wells, who covers the Indianapolis Colts for ESPN NFL Nation. He's basically the JD, our Jeff Dickerson. Um, he is the JD of the Indianapolis Colts. He talked about the player's reaction to the retirement. Yeah, I think uh, basically one, one player told me, he said they were stunned. Another said this was crazy. Receivers T.Y. Hilton and Chester Rogers walked out of the locker room, did not talk to the media. The Colts did not open the media afterward. They just had Andrew Luck talk along with head coach Frank Wright, owner Jim Ursay, and general manager Chris Ballard. The Colts, no matter what they did as far as building the roster, they were going to go as far as Andrew Luck took them. We saw what Andrew Luck was able to do when he was healthy. He came back, won comeback player of the year last season. He threw more for more touchdown passes than every quarterback named except for Patrick Mahomes. And the Colts felt like after the roster moves they made this offseason that they could take another step forward and advance possibly to the AFC Championship game. Now they're hinging all their hopes on Jacoby Brissett. I asked Frank, uh, Chris Ballard, the general manager, about it, and he pointed back to the winner of 2017 when he got hired. He said this this franchise is not all about one player. He respected Andrew Luck, but he wanted to build a complete roster. They focused on the defense in the draft out of seven out of ten players. They have their entire starting offensive linebacker, all the top skill position players returning, but they do not have Andrew Luck, and that is a significant blow not only for the Indianapolis Colts, but for the city of Indianapolis and the state of Indiana. Yeah, and those last couple of words that Mike Wells just said, a substantial blow for the Indianapolis Colts fans in the state of Indiana, okay? That's one of the reasons they booed, because they were gearing up for what they thought was going to be a possibility and a chance at an AFC championship. Again, there were fans... They're, they figure you'll continue to progress 10 and 6 last year. They will get better. And uh, you get something like this in the third preseason game. And it came as a shock, as he said. Players didn't talk. Some of them said it was crazy. Some of them said it was shocked. Others just left without talking. And you can imagine those players. Some of them, they probably won't tell you, but some of them feel that he let them down. He let the organization down. If he was going to do this, do it earlier. But it was the time he decided to do it. He does it yesterday. Andrew Luck calls it quits at the age of 29. Frank Reich, the head coach, says, listen, all we can do is the proverbial next man up. There's a saying in football that every everybody knows and everybody lives, lives by. It's next man up. And although this circumstance is unique, that's a universal principle in this game. And no one is exempt. Andrew and I had a, had a discussion this week or 10 days ago. That's one of the things that he said to me. That's what I love about this game. I know as hard as this is, what he was saying, as hard as this is for me, I know in a sense, and what I expressed to him is, you'll be, you, you've made a unique contribution, but the game goes on. That's just the way this game is. And, um, and that's one of the great things about the game. And Andrew has expressed that to me himself. Yeah, he's right about that. Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts, this game goes on. Okay? The game doesn't stop because Andrew Luck decides to retire. Uh, Andrew Luck calls it a quits at the age of 29. Indianapolis Colts, uh, I guess their local news down there did it like 90 straight minutes. The news, it shows you what Indianapolis is, how different Indianapolis is. Um, you know, here Mark G. Greco gets his two and a half minutes. 
and uh, Andrew Luck retires. They did 93 minutes on the news down there. It's almost like they did a death show. Like yeah. when someone big dies, like when Mike Ditka dies, the news will do 90 minutes on sure. Mike Ditka. Sure. It's like they did a death show for Luck retiring. Yeah, yeah. Pretty darn amazing. You have any comments on the retiring of Andrew Luck? 312-332-3776. Now, while this was going on, the Bears were playing football against the Indianapolis Colts. And the Bears' defense, their second and third stringers, actually had a pretty decent game. They scored several times, as a matter of fact. The Bears got a win. That's right. Bears win their preseason game, final 27-17. to uh, They were down 10 to nothing, And then Deion Bush, a 91-yard interception return. They also got a couple of field goals. That's right. No more Elliott Fry. It is Eddie Pinheiro, a 21-yarder. And then in the third quarter, Eddie Pinheiro hits from 58 yards. That's right, 58 yards. Matt Nagy talks about it. Anytime you hit that, you know, in, in, in any of this individual stuff, whether it's just a quarterback, a kicker, you know, uh, a baseball player, batter, whatever, you know, golfer, individually, uh, confidence is, is huge. And to have, for him to be able to, to nail that right down the middle, no question about it. It, w- it was really neat to see him, how fired up he was, you know, when he made that and did a good job with his, with his, uh, his kickoffs and, uh, of course, to hit the, the extra points as well. So today was a, a really good day for him, and, and we'll just stack them and, and do the same thing next week. That's it. Stack good days for Eddie Pinheiro as he kicks a 21-yarder, a 58-yarder. He makes three extra points. The Bears win 27-17. Joel Inye Buniway with a 22-yard fumble return for a touchdown. And Horstead with a catch. He is a uh, tight end, I think. 17-yard pass from Tyler Bray. The Bears win 27-17. Unfortunately, there's one more of these games next week at Soldier Field. And then the Bears get ready to play the Green Bay Packers September 5th at Soldier Field. They open up the season, the 100th year of Bears football, the centennial season of Bears football. I am going to be so happy because I have been nothing but disgusted and frustrated having to spend the entire preseason talking about kickers, having to talk about will Trey Burton be ready, and having to talk about did Mitch was Mitch good in practice today? Was Mitch bad in practice? Is Mitch progressing? Has Mitch not progressed? Why hasn't Mitch progressed? Is Mitch struggling because he's going against the first team Bears defense? Why is Mitch struggling? You know what? I couldn't care less about almost any of the stuff that comes out of Bears training camp. Unless there's an injury or a retirement, I could not care less. They found Eddie Pinheiro. He's their guy now. And he's kicking. And on September 5th against the Packers, it will be Eddie Pinheiro and Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, who is now going to be a weekly contributor with Waddle and Sylvie. And that is what gets me excited. What gets me excited is September 5th is only uh, less than two weeks away. That gets me excited. I am going to be so happy we don't have to talk about kickers till Eddie Pinheiro misses a 43-yarder. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if you heard this. The kicker that the Bears were interested in and offered a fifth-round conditional pick, but he went to Minnesota instead, he missed a 43-yarder last night. Did you hear that, Eric? I did not know Uh that. That number is so ominous that all these kicks happen to be right there. He missed a 43-yarder for the Vikings yesterday. Could you imagine if the Bears would have got him and he came and he kicked and missed a 43-yarder? It would have been pretty comical. It would have been great. Oh, my Lord. I mean, there would have been more talk. It would have been one whole more week of talk about... 
a kicker. But Eddie Pinheiro kicks a 58-yarder. You know what we're going to hear about it this week? Nothing. We're not going to hear anything about Eddie Pinheiro this week because now there's no reason to. Other than good, glad he made it. That's right. it. What is, what is the conversation for Bear? What is the Bears pregame conversation going to be? Or this week, what are our Bears guests going to talk about? It's a, Can you think of anything? No, because no one cares about roster cuts. No one cares about the 53rd man on the roster. No. Like, it's just so few. Like, again, just Pinero stacking things up, and that's it. That's why the producers have to work their tail off to make it exciting. That's why guys like Eric and Chris Black and Danny Zetterman and Abdallah and Meller, they got to make it interesting uh, for you, the fans, because there's another week and a half of Bears preseason talk before the Packers invade Soldier Field. Not only the Packers, but the Packers fans. You wonder how many Pack, how Packer fans get so many tickets? Some Bears fans sell their tickets to Packer fans because they pays for the rest of their seats for the year. True, and it, let's be honest, there are a lot of Packers fans that do live in, in the, the greater Chicagoland area. Yeah. So, like, and, and say they live in Kenosha, which they could be listening to our station if they live in Kenosha. That's a short drive down, even though it's in Wisconsin. Yeah, it is. It is. So, the uh, Bears win their preseason game. They got one more next week, and then they open the season September 5th against the Green Bay Packers, and I cannot wait. That will be so much fun that football that actually counts. Uh, we come back. We'll talk about some of the baseball stuff that went on yesterday. One of the guys the Cubs get a chance to see, Peter Alonzo, was pretty good. And we'll talk about the Cardinals and the Brewers and what they have coming up. And look at the standings, the wild card standings, what it looks like as we begin a Sunday of baseball. We'll look at the lineups for the Sox and the Cubs. We got some fire talk before we're out of here. Looks like the fire may have just uh, ended their season a little bit short. I could be wrong. Amazing Miracles do happen. At least that's what I'm hoping for. Here on ESPN 1000. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Christine Lisi, developing story. ESPN's Adam Schefter reporting. The Colts reached a financial settlement with now former quarterback Andrew Luck and won't take back any of the money they're owed following his shocking retirement last night. So the message they've sent to the first overall pick in the 2012 NFL Draft Keep the money, $24.8 million, even though it is within Indy's rights to try and reclaim it. Meanwhile, two weeks before the regular season opener, Kobe Brissett has become the Colts', quarter, Colts starting quarterback. He's got an amazing opportunity ahead, points out ESPN's Dan Orlovsky. You now have a six-month window, if you're Brissett, where you totally have the opportunity to change your life. When you if you go perform well, and it's the perfect situation for a backup quarterback where he um, has got a really good coach, they've got a really good scheme, he's got a really healthy football team around him. And Orlovsky on Sunday morning on ESPN Radio. ESPN's Adam Schefter reporting: Texans fear running back Lamar Miller suffered a torn ACL during last night's preseason game. He's scheduled to have an MRI. Indian star third baseman Jose Ramirez put on the injured list with a fractured helmet bone in his right hand. He'll have surgery tomorrow. After the surgery, the team will know more regarding Ramirez's timetable. His play this second half has gotten the Indians in the hunt in the AL Central race. They're two and a half back of the division-leading Twins. Golf, Brooks Kepka at the top of the leaderboard at the Tour Championship. Rory McIlroy and Xander Shoffley are one stroke back heading into the final round. Justin Thomas is four off the lead. The New York Yankees and the L.A. Dodgers fighting for baseball's best record. And they go head-to-head in Los Angeles today at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. Presented by Indeed. 
This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. And the ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn. It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Fred's Baseball Notebook. Well, we've been talking about a lot of stuff. Cubs and uh, Nationals wrap up their series. The White Sox trying to take three out of four from the Texas Rangers. But you know what? One of the things we like to do on this show is talk about all of baseball. And uh, there are so many great things happening around the game. And, um, heck, you heard the promo. Dodgers-Yankees later on tonight. They got a heck of a series. Some people say it's just a, uh, you know, preview of what's going to happen in the World Series. Two of the better teams in the game meeting. And we've got that game for you later on tonight here on ESPN 1000. But there is always great stuff happening in Major League Baseball. The Cubs get a chance to go to New York and take on the New York Mets. And there's a guy in the Mets who's uh, pretty darn good, rookie Peter Alonzo. That milestone staring him in the face. One shot of the Mets' single-season home run record. So a base hit now could tie the game. And Alonzo crashes one out to center. Back goes Acuna looking up. Yep, Peter Alonzo with a home run, and uh, not too bad for a young rookie. Unfortunately, the Mets lose to Atlanta. Final of 9-5. to five. The Mets are in a battle trying to get into the wild card position in the National League. And think about it. All the fun that was poked at the Mets and all the criticism that New York's second team took. Right now, the Mets are two games out of a wild card spot in the National League, tied with the Brewers. Uh, half game behind the Phillies and just two games behind the Cubs. So this series with the Mets and the Cubs is going to be a real interesting one as a guy in a Mets jersey walks by today. It's unbelievable. As I'm talking about somebody, it's like people walk by. I should just talk about like an actress or an actor and see if they walk by. One day, <laughs> one day, an actor walked by and I mentioned that to Danny Zetterman that it was a guy who it was. And he said, well, do you want me to get him? I said, we got Jesse coming up. I don't think Jesse's we have time to talk to him. big enough celebrity. Yeah. He's so, handsome, too. Yeah. I said uh, it was, um, how can I not remember his name, his last name? Um, the Irish guy, Colin, uh, Colin, Colin Farrell. Farrell. Mm-hmm. He walked by, and we had like 15 minutes to go on the show, and I go, we got Jesse coming up. And Zetterman said, really? You would rather talk to Jesse than Colin Farrell? Yes, actually. <laughs> I said, well, I, I'm a big fan. I like his movies and everything, but yeah. So we did. We'll see who else walks by in the next uh, 25 minutes while we're still here. Uh, so Peter Alonzo with that home run number 41. We'll see what he does this week against the Cubs. The Milwaukee Brewers, about a week ago, I said, you know what? They're, they're, they're struggling. They got no pitching. They can't uh, hang. They had lost a bunch of games in a row. Well, yesterday they won their third straight, and uh, it was the long ball. Names homered in yesterday's game. And sends one to right, deep. To the wall is Jones, leaps and gone for Eric Thames. E.T. phone home again tonight. And Milwaukee out in front, one to nothing. Number 19 for Eric. And this one to right, Grisham. Gone! Back-to-back home runs for Milwaukee. 
Grisham hits his fourth. That snaps an 0-14 string for the rookie. And it's 2-0 Milwaukee. That's the way to do it. Well, yeah, there's no doubt that's the way to do it. If I, I could have had you guess forever who hit back-to-back homers for the Brewers, and to not have the names Kane, Yelich, or Mustakis in the group, you would have never guessed Thames and Grisham. But they hit the home runs, and they win the game 4 nothing over Arizona. And as I said, right now they're two games behind the Cubs in the National League Central standings. The Yankees and the Dodgers played last night. Yankees took it to them two nights ago. Last night, a tight game. Kenley Jansen had to come in. It'll be a 1-2. Pitch. Swung on and missed strike three. The Dodgers hang on. Beat the Yankees 2-1. The magic numbers now an even dozen. A lot to unpack. But at the end of the day, Kenley Jansen made some big pitches on both Talkman and Sanchez to get the save. Yeah, the Dodgers win 2-1 to one over the Yankees. A big one. The Dodgers only have a 21-game lead over the Giants. Uh, they are 86-45, and 45, 41 games over 500, and uh, they are just on cruise control. It's amazing what their record is right now, and uh, they continue to win games. The Philadelphia Phillies are trying to get into the postseason, too. They're not going to be as lucky, it appears, as right now. Let me double-check this. The Phillies, actually, they're only a game and a half behind. Behind the Cubs, I did mention that only a game and a half behind the Cubs in the wild card standings, so they need some help, and they got some from their guy Corey Dickerson yesterday. And a line drive base hit to left field. That's a really good piece of hitting. A beautiful piece of hitting. Out to left field. Dean was playing in. He's trying to hustle back, and it's over his head and a one hop over the wall. Two runs will score. It's a break for the Marlins because that would have easily cleared the bases. Instead, it's a two-run double at 6-1, Phillies. And another really solid piece of hitting. We saw him do it his first at bat, taking a backdoor breaking ball, shooting it to left field. He serves it the other way. That's going to trickle in the left for a base hit. And he lines that one out toward right center field. Nobody's going to get it. It's going to split the gap and trickle to the warning track. It's going to clear the bases. Dickerson with a three-run double. It's 9-2 Phillies. Four hits tonight, two extra base hits, and five runs batted in. Nice day for Corey Dickerson as the Phillies go on to a 9-3 win. Philadelphia, as I mentioned, just a game and a half back of the Cubs in the wild card race. So this is going to be interesting all the way through, not only the National League Central, but the wild card. The Pirates aren't very interesting, but yesterday they had fun at uh, Cincinnati's expense. And a drive to right field. Redbeard! Grand slam! Don't you know? To County Cork! For Colin Moran, granny time again, 7 nothing. That is absolutely amazing. Grand Slam, Red Beard, County Cork. How many different phrases could he throw into one home run call? A Grand Slam for Colin Moran in a 14 nothing win for the Pirates over the Reds. Let the Pirates have their fun. And the Orioles, for a, a change, had some fun. One delivery on the way. Way back, left field. And goodbye. A Grand Slam home run. Severino gets it, and the Orioles are up 5-0. Yeah, you didn't have many chances to say that this year. The Orioles get a win 7-1 over Tampa Bay. 
Tampa Bay uh, right now they have a uh, they are the second wild card team, a half game better than Oakland. Boston is six back. They still think they have a chance. We will wait and see. Uh, other highlights last night, not for Cubs fans, but for Cardinal fans. St. Louis a six nothing win over Colorado. The Cardinals have now won three in a row. And they have a game-and-a-half lead over the Cubs. The Cardinals begin a series at Milwaukee, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So last week, the Cardinals played Milwaukee at St. Louis and did pretty well. Then St. Louis hosts a four-game series with the Reds next weekend while the Cubs get Milwaukee coming to Wrigley Field. So the next week could be very, very interesting in the National League Central. Really quickly around the league, the standings, Yankees eight games better than Tampa. The Twins back up to a two-and-a-half game lead over the Indians. And Houston eight-and-a-half up on Oakland in the NL East. Atlanta with a six-game lead over the Nationals. Cubs and Nationals wrap up their series today. Cardinals a game-and-a-half up. On the Cubs with Milwaukee three and a half back in the Central. And I mentioned the West is just ridiculous. A 21-game lead for the Dodgers over the second place San Francisco Giants. The wild card standings, Cleveland right now is a half-game lead over Tampa Bay. They are the one and two wild card teams with Oakland half-game back, Boston six games back. In the National League, the Nationals would be the number one wild card. The Cubs right now are number two with Philadelphia a game and a half back of the Cubs. Brewers in the match two back and the Giants five back. Arizona thinks they have a chance. They are five and a half games back as we begin the day. Quickly, a look at the lineups for the Sox and the Cubs. And we're going to get to some Chicago fire action from last night. The Cubs... We'll have Hayward in center, Castellanos in right, Bryant at third, Baez at short because Rizzo is out after leaving with back tightness yesterday. You have Schwarber in left, Lucroy is catching, Russell at second, Ian Happ, hopefully he's bounced back after that horrible called third strike he took yesterday. Uh, brutal call by the umpire with the bases loaded in the fourth inning to end the inning. And Hamels is your starting pitcher. For the White Sox, Lurie Garcia is at left field. He leads off. Tim Anderson trying to extend his hitting streak is second. Jose Abreu, who got uh, his 1,000th hit yesterday, hitting third. Yohan Moncada having a great return. He didn't get a hit yesterday, but in his first two games back, two for four with a homer and double in both. Eloy Jimenez, your DH today with John Jay in right field. Then it is Wellington Castillo behind the plate. Adam Engel is in center field. Yolmer Sanchez is your second baseman. Ronaldo Lopez getting the start. We come back. What happened with the Chicago Fire last night, and could it be the game that they look back at and say, that's the one that cost us? Actually, there's a lot more earlier in the year that cost you. But we'll talk about it when we come back. Fred Hubner with you on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Fred Hubner with you. The Chicago Fire, I always talk about them in this final segment of the show. Next week, I'll probably have a chance to talk about them also. And then after that, it'll be football and there will be very little Chicago Fire talk. And probably for good reason, because the Fire actually had a win last week against Philadelphia at SeatGeek Stadium. A big win because... They had a chance to get in the playoffs. Still had a chance. They still have a chance. But yesterday they went to New England. And 
during the week, Alexander Katai, who had been out with a red card because of a you know swinging his arm at a guy who was bothering him, he swung his arm and hit the guy, and he had a red card. They gave him an extra game suspension. On Friday, they announced it. A day before the fire were getting ready to play New England. And then, Boston Schweinsteiger from the Chicago Fire was not with the team yesterday because his wife, Anna Ivanovich, is about ready to have their second kid. And so he was not with the team. I don't want to say it was one of the biggest games of the year. But it was one of the biggest games of the year, and they could have used both of these guys yesterday. They didn't have either one. As a result, the final score, New England 2, the Chicago Fire 1. And that wasn't good. Uh, Nico Gaetan with a nice free kick. And right to the head of Francisco Calvo, the uh, Chicago Fire tied the game at 1 in the 41st minute. They went to the half, played a really good second half, had some opportunities, couldn't score. Then in the 87th, the 86th minute, Calvo turns the ball over. They're trying to play the ball out of the back. It gets turned over. New England scores. Gustavo Bowe with a blast from about 23 feet. 23 yards, not 23 feet. 23 yards, and he puts it past uh, the fire goalkeeper. Final score, 2-1, to one, and that's not good for a couple reasons. The Chicago Fire now with 33 points. The top seven teams in the Eastern Conference and in the Western Conference. Top seven teams make the playoffs. The seventh team is Toronto with 37 points. They've played 27 games. There are 34 games played in the season, so they have seven games remaining. New England, who won yesterday, they were at 35 points. They get the win. They get three points. They have 38 points. They have 27 games played. They have seven games remaining. The Fire, with the loss, have 33 points. They're four points out of a playoff spot, but they've played 29 games. They only have five games remaining. Games in hand could really hurt the Chicago Fire team. And right now, they go to Columbus next week. They're home against Dallas. They go to Cincinnati, home against Toronto, and then go to Orlando to end the season on September 29th. Or actually, I think they end the season a little bit after that. So the Chicago Fire needed a win, did not get it yesterday. Five games to go, and they're all going to be uh, important. Four Four points back, but the teams ahead all have games in hand. Orlando, Montreal, Toronto, and New England. So it's going to be very difficult. It would be nice to see the Chicago Fire. And that's why throughout the course of the year, in soccer, in baseball, in certain sports, you say, Think about the games that got away. Think about the games where you got a draw and you got one point instead of three points. You needed to get three points. Those are killers. You look at the Chicago Fire record this year, and they struggle like crazy on the road. They've got one road win this year. They're 1-9-4 and four on the road. That means one win, nine losses, and four draws. Actually, I'm wrong. They're 1-10-3 on the road. One win, ten losses. And uh, for the season... Eight wins, 12 losses, nine draws. If you take five of those draws and make them wins, that's 10 more points you got. So all of a sudden, you're you're up to 43 points. You're in the middle of the pack. That's how close it is in Major League Soccer. You got to get the points. The Fire haven't done it this year, and it could be a long, long off season. Who knows what's going to happen? It appears they will be playing their games next year at Soldier Field. And I'll be here to complain about it next year.
Well, hopefully I'll be here to complain about it. I'll be somewhere complaining about it, wherever it is. Thanks to Eric Ostrowski for all of his help. Big game for the Cubs. Someone said, hey, this isn't their magic numbers, not one or to be eliminated. It's not a must win for the Cubs. Okay, that's fine. You want to believe that. I think it's a must win as the Cubs are a game and a half behind the Cardinals right now. We'll see what happens today. Hamels going against Strasburg. White Sox trying to take three out of four from Texas. It all starts tomorrow. Cap and Company. Golik and Wingo at five, but Cap and Company at nine. All of it here on ESPN 1000.